This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Equity Mike. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you All right, well, welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we break down the world of investing to make it easy for you guys. So hopefully you can make a return. I am Bryce, and for the first time in a while, I'm not joined by my equity buddy, Ren. Instead, I am joined by the wonderful Matt Leibowitz, CEO of Stake. If you guys haven't heard of it, it is a platform that allows you to buy stocks and ETFs and that sort of stuff in America. That's right. So welcome, Matt. No, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we caught up over coffee a couple of weeks ago and uh, I was uh, pretty excited that you guys got in touch. Um, And this is a world first for equity (laughs) mates. We haven't had a a live uh, recording before. And in that coffee, you said something that sort of resonated with me and I sort of thought about it when I left. And and you said, um, I'm a trader at heart. I'm not a businessman. I'm learning the business side, but here you are deep into business. So talk me through that comment. Yeah, no, look, it's really like trading is what I'm really passionate about. The markets to me, uh, they're incredibly exciting. They, they, It really resonates what I believe is that, you know, it's really about people coming together and challenging yourself every day. I feel when you're in the in the financial markets, you get to test yourself. And, you know, the market doesn't discriminate by color, by age, mm. the amount of education you've had, the amount of money you have. Uh, it's pretty much the most even playing field you can get. So to be able to go into that Coliseum really every single day and test yourself, uh, for me, there's, there's nothing more exciting than to get that feedback and just improve every single day. And it's a very different discipline to running a business. It's, you know, the trading that I grew up doing, obviously working in a high-frequency trading firm was very short-term focus, whereas growing a business, you've got to have a bit more longevity in your, your vision and a lot more patience. Trading requires a lot of patience, but from a, you know, building a, a startup like us, you've got to have a, a long-term plan and you've got to like ride through the ups and downs. So it's a, it's a different discipline, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So let's look at that when we talk on the show, we, we make a distinction between trading and investing yeah. um, because trading, as you kind of mentioned there, there's a lot of you know, high-frequency trading and yeah. algorithm-based trading, that sort of stuff. Sure. So which way do you swing towards if, if yeah. you had a preference? Um, and and did you always start out as, 
a trader or yeah. are you now finding that the way that you swing has changed? Yeah, I mean, look, I've been in the markets for sort of well, 20 years now since I started uni. I'll say, firstly, I, I see investing as a subset of trading. When, yeah. when you invest, you need to buy and you need to sell. Yeah. And that you need to place a trade and you need to place another trade. So yeah. at the end of the day, trade is a very broad definition and there's different styles. It's like a tennis player. Like some people hit a lot, like a Rafa Nadal hits the ball a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, someone like Federal hit more winners, for example. So, you know, like it, it, it's your style can determine, you know, what sort of trader you are. And you can be a short-term, a high-frequency trader. You can be an algorithmic trader. Uh, those two can be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be a, a swing trader where you trade over medium terms and you can be a long-term trader, which is probably more of an investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can have uh, one strategy for the short-term moves in the market and one that satisfies you for long-term moves. So I don't look at it as an investor and trader as different. I just look at them as your strategy differs. So I consider investors subsets of traders because at the end of the day, it's someone to buy and sell. Yeah. So they're someone to place a trade. At the end of the day, anyone who plays a trade is a trader. Do you do any trading in its purest form right now? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I'm investing, I'm still trading, as yes. you know, yeah. from my point of view. I, I run sort of two strategies. I run like a, a, a long-term approach. I look for high-growth companies that are going to basically, you know, that are trending upwards and I feel that they've still got that path on them and I'll, but I'll be a hawk on them. I'll keep my eye on them and if things change, I'll quickly get out. So it's it's a long-term view and I want to stay with the momentum of a stock for as long as possible. I mean, if something's working, you don't, you want to keep doing it. Mm. Trading is like any lesson in life. It's um, you keep doing what you're good at and you either get better at things you're not good at or you stop doing them. Mm. It's like anything. It's like the way you eat, exercise, health. There's no real difference. Uh, you just got to keep doing the good things and cut out the bad things. That's all the trading is. You want to stay in the trades that are winning and you want to cut your losers as quick as possible. And that's the same with investing, really. It's like, oh, if you invest in a good company that's working for you, stick with it. Yeah. If it's not, well, reconsider it. Is that a company I still want to be invested in? No, it's a good point, but I, I guess the hardest thing is to find those companies to begin with. Yeah. So, Stake is a reasonably new venture for you, but let's start with your background. Sure. You initially started your career in Allens. That's correct right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good research. Um, yeah. In, uh, as a lawyer. I was, yeah. And, and then you moved into uh, Optiva. Yeah, that's correct. From yeah. Allens. That's correct. So, I guess I'm interested why the move from lawyer to trader yeah. and and how did that come about what did what did you study talk us through that sort of period of time well every good jewish boy does what his mum says so <laughs> i did a law degree and i went into a law firm i got a job at a great law firm allen's is an amazing yeah. law firm and i was a great uh, i was there for five years i was there for a year and a half as a paralegal before i started and then three and a half years i was there as a lawyer uh, and i just got a great experience so some of my best friends are still the guys and girls i started with um, at allen's yes i did a law degree i did a finance degree as well so i went into law um, I did securitization, which was when people do loans, they package them up and they resell them. So like a credit card, for example, uh, lots of credit card debts, you package them up and you sell the individual, the group of them to invest. I'll do the documentation on that. That's pretty much what caused the GFC, yeah, all, right. the, yeah, all yeah. that subordinated debt yeah. and that sort of stuff. So I um, couldn't quite work out how it all fit in at the time, but then I actually moved across uh, in 2007 and I started Opera. My maths was my real passion and markets and just that dynamic atmosphere of being in the in the share market and the stock market really grabbed me and I, I went and did a maths test and I turned up top to in a suit. Um, Is that was, not the vibe? No, definitely not the vibe. <laughs> I quickly got my tie off and put it in my pocket. I was still there in the suit. There's no tie on. There was a guy rolling around the skateboard with no shoes and I thought, there's no way I'm going to get a kick here. But yeah, it worked out really well. It's, it was an amazing 
amazing ride. And I started um, in the second half of 2007 uh, trading on the Hong Kong market. Mm-hmm. So there's some, there's some big Chinese banks there. And I just I learned, learned what it was like. It's like a new language going from writing legal contracts to trading options contracts. Mm-hmm. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. I, you know, like I was, you know, people that were engineers, some people that studied history, um, you know, like coming across, you know, people that had never been to university when I was in the States for Optiver and um, they were trading on the floor. And I quickly realized that the market was it was really a melting pot for society and it didn't matter where you came from, as I said before, it was a total equalizer. Mm. Uh, and it really was just, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with how quickly things moved, how quickly things changed, how connected you were to the world. Something happened in America or China or Europe and they would affect the price of an Apple stock in the US or, you know, like you'd have a like a 10 cent in China would be affected by what happened overnight on the US market. Like I just felt there was so much to grapple with. You were just learning all the time. Yeah. I just, it, it, it just really, it, it's something I just absolutely loved. I just, I, 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 you know, I live and breathe the markets. And when I was in the, in the States with Optiver, I really got to see just how powerful the US markets were in terms of the opportunity they had, um, the sort of companies that you could invest in or trade or the opportunity, like the, just the breadth of um, products they had. And I came back to Australia and I saw a real gap that Australians weren't given the same opportunity. So that led me to starting. Exactly. Yeah, so I was a, at Optiver for just under 10 years. I was a partner there for the last five. So I had a great ride. Can you just give a brief uh, description of what Optiver does? Because yeah. I, I know it's quite a complex yeah. uh, business. Sure. And if you were to explain it in a couple of sentences, um, I'm sure you'd lose a lot of people. <laughs> so um, because uh, from what I understand, that really gave you the skills yep. to move into state. Sure. And, you know, in terms of creating markets and that sort of sure. stuff and getting an understanding of it. So, yeah, just briefly, what, what is Optima? Yep. Because a, a number of our listeners would not have. No, that, absolutely. It's... it's um yeah, it is quite complex. In its purest sense, Optiva is what's called a market maker. So financial products, uh, they don't trade like normal commodities um, in terms of like a bottle of orange juice. There's, you know, you go into a store and you buy orange juice, you know yeah. the price, the price is there. For financial instruments, sometimes there's no there's no price, there's no known price. You actually need someone to actually go tell you the price or to give you an option to buy it or sell it. And Optiva is the, is the party that puts the buy price and the sell price. So if you want to trade a product, you know what price you can buy it at or you can can sell it. And Optiva is the person or the, the company that makes that price. So it's called a market maker, so it makes a market. So if you want to go buy BHP, for example, uh, and you want to buy an option on BHP that expires in June 2018, there's not many people that can make that price, yeah. but Optiva is one of those parties that can say, if you want to buy it, it's, or if you want to sell it, it's, you can buy that option. You can sell it off for $1.04. If you want to buy that option, you can buy it for $1.06. So Optiva makes the difference between the two. Across any asset class? or Mainly options. It's derivatives. Okay. So derivatives, another complex piece, is options and futures, really. Yeah. Um, so Optiver makes prices on listed products, so things that trade on the SFE, which is the ASX now, or on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, or on the CME in Chicago, or on the CBO in Chicago, all these different exchanges. Optiver sits on those markets and makes prices on all those instruments. So something you said before um, about why you love the markets and that kind of resonated with me is that it makes you look at the world in a completely different way and forces yeah. you to look at things that you've never sort of contemplated looking at before and understanding the ways things work, right? Yeah. And going into October in 2007, prior, just prior to the GFC, yeah. it would have been a very interesting time. So I'm wondering what that period of time, the GFC, I mean, did it challenge your ways of thinking and what was probably some of the biggest things you learned as an investor coming out of that? Yeah, I, I, I think I learned that 
Investors have always sold the story that you only need to buy stocks and you can only make money where stocks go up. And what I learned at Optiba is that there are so many different instruments that institutions use to make money. And a lot of institutions left the GFC with much more money than when they started. And a lot of retail investors left with a lot less money than they started. And to me, that didn't make sense. Big short. Yeah, the big short, right? Um, Don't get me started on Michael Lewis. That's another story. But um, yeah, in, in, in essence, retail investors don't have the same access that institutional investors have mm. and they don't have the same protective mechanisms and they don't have the opportunity to make money when things aren't going quite right like they can't trade in both directions or they're not encouraged to trade in both directions whereas as an investor you sh- your your clear goal is to make money yeah. and to stay stay and make sure you stay alive so you can make money in terms of your portfolio protected capital like it's it's like a business like you can have a little bit of revenue but your costs are going to kill you mm. right so well, the way I looked at it was that institutions had this enormous amount of power and retail investors had very little. Uh, and I learned that actually any retail investor who applied themselves could actually have access to a world of opportunity that just every man on the street wasn't getting access to. It's just a little bit of digging. Just being able to trade all these exotic instruments at Optiva and seeing how you know the high net worth institutions manage their money and their portfolios made me realize that actually like I could do that too or you know you could do that mm. with a little bit of work. What is that work like? I'm still trying to find like if if someone's if I was to start shorting yeah. I mean, other than options and that sort of yeah. stuff, like you can't do it in the purest sense, can you? Yeah. Well, it's not easy. Uh, it's not for everyone. But, you know, the way that the ETFs have been set up and they're a great instrument to allow people to get access to asset class that they couldn't ordinarily do. You can buy ETFs that go up when market goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, there are CFDs. I don't, they're definitely not for everyone. But there are instruments out there that just behave like stocks, but their price moves when the markets go down. So inverse ETFs are, you know, volatility ETFs, definitely not for everyone. You've got to be aware where what the instrument is but it's exactly the same uh, mechanism it's like buying a stock you buy an ETF if the stock market goes down this ETF goes up mm-hmm. it's like buying a stock that goes up and you buy it at A and you sell it at A plus 2 you've made $2 mm-hmm. We did some research. I think there's only three inverse ETFs in Australia, and they're not very liquid. So, you know, the, the, the way I like to think of it is everything you do is a risk from the price you pay for execution, it's going to reduce the losses. Having a cross the spread, if a, if, a, if, you, if a share is not very frequently traded, it's going to have a very big spread. Mm. And if you to buy it, you need to be very patient to sit on the bid mm. to buy it, or you need to pay a big spread. So I like to trade or invest where there's liquid markets, and I know that I can get out because if something happens or my opportunity comes to get out, I can get out. Out quickly. My issue with the Australian market is a lot of these stocks aren't liquid. So you're sitting there holding stocks. It's like, yeah, great, everything's happened. The time you try to get out of them, it's actually too expensive and you've lost, given back a lot of your returns. So stocks like BBUS, I haven't seen it trade. I wouldn't suspect it trades a hell of a lot. But those are things that investors need to consider, regardless if you're an investor or a regular trader. That's pretty much the premise behind Stack. I don't want to give it too much of a plug, but the, the whole point is you've got more stocks at a lower price point with more liquidity and stocks that actually represent where you probably want to be investing and trading. So that's pretty much the reason behind why we set up Stack because Australians hadn't been given that simple access. Well, let's go into that. So you came back from the States and yeah. obviously recognized that there was a huge opportunity for Australian investors that, that, that they were missing out on. Yeah. And I mean, even when I was a younger investor trying to buy stocks yeah. in the United States, 
you know, you're paying incredibly high brokerage fees or it was impossible um, for, through my brokerage. Yeah, or sure. It was, you know. um, yeah. So you've come to rectify that problem. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a bit of a myth, actually, that investing overseas is hard for Australians. We're actually, it's the exact opposite. Right. Um, the price of execution, you know, I've already got brokers in the US that charge zero. Yes. Um, with Robin Hood and uh, there's another one um, out there called Matador. But it, it's the execution cost in the US is negligible. Um, there's, it's quite complex. Um, the reasons why, but trust me, it's pretty much zero. And when you're saying execution costs, you mean brokerage? Yeah, brokerage. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, but it, yeah, you're right. Brokerage costs. I'm still thinking on institutional language. Um, yeah, brokerage in the US is pretty much zero. Um, there's 12 exchanges. They all compete for your trade. Mm-hmm. So they offer incentives. So it pushes down prices. Plus you've got, now I think there's only over 15,000 stocks in the US that include the NYC, NASDAQ, and some of the OTC names. Uh, we focus on the top to the 3,000 at stake because that's where most people actually want to access. Um, and opening your account is fully digital. So um, all the paper that you do to open an Aussie account and the KYC forms and actually mm-hmm. sending it in and signing it, if you're opening up and just even an individual name is complicated. And then you add on top all the US tax forms that they claim are difficult. They've been automated as well. Like You can have an account and have your money on the way in five minutes in Australia and then you're paying less to trade. Um, we had a customer the other day. He actually, believe it or not, actually shares a suite with us uh, like in our office building. And he was trying to open up an account with an international trading account from the bank broke. It took him six weeks. Wow. Yeah, it could like, and uh, I think his quote was, oh my God, it took me six minutes with you guys and it took me six weeks with, oh, name and shame. <laughs> uh, with X, Y, and Z. Now go on. Westbound. Um, <laughs> You know, like I think international investing is, it's really important for Australians. Like we're part of the real world. Um, the companies that we engage with on a daily basis, like I can see now we're using an, an Apple product, yeah. um, probably just searched on Google. We're going to have watch Netflix. Yeah. Probably going to buy something on Amazon in the next you know, month or so. Probably an NVIDIA chip somewhere in there. Yeah. Like these are all companies that you know, you buy something on your Visa and your MasterCard. Like these companies are listed overseas. You know, we've had Spotify and Dropbox recently list. Like it actually makes a lot more sense for Australians actually be looking at what they understand. If they're going to invest in something they know, they should actually be investing in the company, at least starting with the companies they know. And those companies do not listen in Australia. Full stop. So I know you don't want to give it a plug, but I'll give it a plug. <laughs> <laughs> so just to reiterate that Stake offers no brokerage mm-hmm. on all your trade. That's right. Um, and that's across, what is it, three and a half thousand? Just under, yeah. Just under three and a half thousand US stocks. Yeah. And uh, one of the great things that I think Stake offers is its um, user experience. Yeah. And so you're not going on there and logging into what seems like a brokerage platform and you get data and everything thrown in your face and bids and asks and all that sort of stuff, right? You go on there and it kind of feels like you're shopping for a T-shirt or, you know, and you get an understanding of who's following the stocks on a scale of, I guess, stake investors. Is that right? That's right, yes. It's all people that use that. And you can also sort of search based on themes. And one that I liked the other day, I can't, I don't know if it's still up, but was the feeling ballsy about Russia or something. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, yeah. Uh, we've got to be careful there. We, um, <laughs> thing was, I want to test my nerve with Russian stuff. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. try to have a bit of sense of humor about it. I think investing is, and, and financial services is, um, People tread very lightly, but it's it's really important to talk about finance and mm. your finances. Mm. And, you know, it should be spoken about, like, what you're invested in, what you're trading, why you're trading it. Like, it should be a community. Like, you shouldn't have to go out alone. So we want to make, we want to build a community and we want it to make it a little bit light. So people that have been intimidated by the markets shouldn't be because it really is there for everyone. As I said right at the beginning, it doesn't discriminate. Like, mm. you can have a 16-year-old who's better than a 68-year-old mm. when 
comes to investing. Like, there's no, it's more art than it is science, believe it or not. And everyone's got a right to learn that art. Yeah, I agree. One other thing that I think is great about steak and that you definitely can't do without brokers, as far as I'm aware, yeah. is the ability to buy a part of a stock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, for example, Apple at the moment, well, actually, I don't know what the price of Apple is, but I'm thinking Amazon is over a grand, yes. Alphabet's over a grand. Sure. And for our listeners, you know, spending a grand on one stock, you know, it is nerve-wracking sure. or you don't want to spend your whole savings on one stock. Yeah. So, state gives you the ability to buy a part of a stock. So, two things, I guess, is how does that actually happen and sure. do you actually own the stock yeah. and where where do you own it? And what, what are there? Are there any other fees like brokerage or free brokerage almost sounds too good to be Yeah, true. no, definitely. No, fair enough. I look, it's... it's uh, I'll answer the first part, the fractional investing, the partial. So what happens in the US is it's a little bit different here in Australia. In Australia, you have everything held on HIN as a central clearer. Mm-hmm. So everyone gets a HIN number when they open an account. In the US, it's held by big custodians. So our custodian is ICBC, Financial Services, like part of the ICBC, the big Chinese bank. And they hold all the assets of our broker's accounts. And then our broker in the US, Drywall, manages those books and records. So if me and you want to buy half an Amazon share each, the custodian has that one full share in their custody at, in their accounts and then our broker dealer driver will assign half of it beneficially to you and half of it to me. Okay. So if someone buys 0.3 of a share and no one else buys the other 0.7, our custodian actually holds the whole share oh, right. over there and so they've got 0.7 on their book as right. the remainder. So it doesn't influence liquidity at all? No, you get what's called national best bid and offer. You get best execution at all times. So literally you can buy a half a share exactly the same way you can buy a whole share. If you want to go and you just want to invest, you can invest as little as $2 on stake yeah. or you can go buy a whole share obviously for over 1000 That's really up to you. But we really want to break down all the barriers it takes to get invested in the US market. And I think the fact that the US offers this fractional capability is great for either first-time investors or people that just want to dedicate a certain amount for a stock. If they if the share price is you know, $633 and they want to invest you know $5,000, they can go pretty much go buy nine mm. shares, whatever mm. it is, and they could get a round number or they could just go, I want to wear $5,000. Mm. They can go do that. It makes it instantly more accessible. Yeah, that's it is. You, it's more understandable, a right? Piece of the pie in Amazon, you can get a piece of the pie totally. without having to fork out for Yeah, exactly. And then the brokerage. So obviously, mentioned before that the brokerage costs in the US are pretty much yeah, free, but obviously yeah. we need to um, make some money, survive, and, and build a great product. Yeah. So we make our money. There's two ways we make our money. Well, there's actually three ways we make our money in the FX. So when you transfer your money from Aussie dollars to US dollars, you take a, a mm-hmm. percentage of that, mm-hmm. but you only move it into US dollars. You keep there as long as you like, and then when you bring it back. So when you transfer between AUD and USD, so when you choose to do that, uh, we make some money on the cash sitting in the account in the US, so a small amount of interest. So if, uh, if it's uninvested or it's sitting just in cash, we make the interest on that. Yeah. Uh, and then if you go buy a gift card for a buddy or you know, for a niece or um, your mum on Mother's Day or whatever, we make it. We have a gift card fee which covers the costs in transacting on a gift card. That's one thing we didn't mention is that you can oh, yeah. gift a stock sure. with steak, um, which is a pretty cool idea. Yeah. I'd love it if my mum sent me an Amazon stock. So there you go, mate. <laughs> What's next for stake? You know, you've got the US market. I mean, stake's what, four years old? Uh, no, less. Like, less. we really only launched probably in August last year. We sort of had a soft launch in April and went really hard in August. So, really only six months old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Very fresh. Although I don't feel so fresh. We're working too hard. <laughs> but are you 
looking yeah. at some point expanding in terms of markets that are on offer? Yeah, I mean, our key focus is really focusing on our existing users and providing a better product. Yeah. Um, we went web first, so we sort of gone back and looked at what our you know, current users want, and it's, an app has been the biggest thing for them. Yeah. So an app will be rolled out in sort of six to eight weeks. Um, there'll be a, a, a wait list, and we'll just try to drum up a bit of interest and get people a little bit excited about the app. So mm-hmm. we think it's going to be game-changing in terms of we've been going through the wireframes and the builder started, and we're super excited about what nice. it's going to be. It's going to make investing or trading even simpler than it currently is on stake, which we think is really simple, but it's going to take that to the next level. And we're finalizing all our accounts up. So in Australia, people trade with all different. Assume users are mainly individual. Yes. Overnight, like there are Australians that have been begging to try to get overseas their investments that trade in different vehicles. So we'll complete that. And then really our focus is actually probably on, on, on beyond that is really just some more features like the faster funding so people can get their cash over quicker, um, easier ways to fund. So if you want a debit card and credit card, if you just want to just quickly test the system, making it really, really straightforward. Um, we look to e-commerce as our benchmark and that is light years ahead of financial services. So that's what we're trying to catch up to and that means moving faster with our product releases and really listening to our customers and making sure the product is literally as simple as buying a t-shirt line. And yeah. That's what we hold ourselves to. Yeah. Let's go back to sort of the some basics of investing. Sure. Um, we get a lot of value from speaking to people like yeah. you for our listeners. So when did you make your first trade? At what yeah. age? And what was one of the hardest things you found about actually starting to invest? I actually think I got given some stock for my bar mitzvah, believe it or not, when I was 13. I think if I had kept it, I'd probably be retired. But... <laughs> that was a Berkshire. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a weird, like the, they didn't give Aussie, they didn't give US stocks away back then. You could only trade Aussie stocks till April last year on stake. Right. I mean, US stocks. Definitely wasn't Berkshire. And then I placed my first independent trade when I had, um, I did the stock market competition when I was in year 11. Yeah, through the ASX. It was through the ASX. The yeah. score bank was 10. When it's that far back, it's still pretty much the same year, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I definitely remember placing my first trade on the market when I was at university. It was an Aussie mining stock, and I put in, I think, about $500, $600 at the time. Yeah. I can remember the feeling still, you know, feeling like I've got to watch this thing like a hawk now yeah. forever. can't remember what it did. been so many trades since then. And then um, I've always just kept an eye on the market, you know, being in financial services, either through the law firm or through university, I studied finance. And um, now I grew up in a family. My dad is an accountant, and so he was involved. He's Where your maths comes from? Actually, my maths comes from my mum. Right. Uh, believe it or not, she studied medicine. She was uh, a lot smarter than my dad. I better say that out there because <laughs> she'll tell you about that. <laughs> and, yeah, and then literally, you know, with just getting into it, just being in the market, you know, I quickly realized it actually wasn't about the buying and selling. It's about actually managing your own emotions mm. and what you're trying to achieve. And you're not competing against them on the market. You're actually competing against yourself. Mm. Um, so just knowing what sort of personality I had, which was probably tell, highly, you know, energetic and, you know, like I probably couldn't hold on to a trade for a particularly long sense yeah. of time without feeling itchy. So just understanding that about myself and working on those things. And for me, trading actually became a way to improve myself. And that's what's so exciting about it. It doesn't matter what you're buying. So you could be trading Aussie, you could be trading US, you could be trading the European market, you could be um, trading, I don't know, Indonesian stocks. It's, it's exactly the same language. It's all about understanding what you want to get out of the market and how you can do that. You've got, to, you've got to plan for it. And so, yeah, that journey started obviously 20 years ago and it's, it's always evolved. Mm. So what's your sort of current learning at the moment? Like yeah. you're always learning something. What are you, what's your 2018 focus here? Be more organized, um, stick to your plan and trade your plan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which means every night going home, updating my Excel sheet, making sure I've got the prices in from the previous day. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to do something silly, just taking a step back, going get a glass of water, yeah. little things like that. You know, like they, they, they sound like, like like anything you do. Like you just got to remain calm and you know, um, know what. Try to be as systematic as possible because if emotion takes over, then you're um, on the back foot. So when you say plan, do you mean that you have like uh, exit targets, for example, that you want to achieve, profit targets, or I mean, to say to a, a young investor like uh, have a plan. What, yeah. what what would be some things that you would yeah. sort of think about engaging? The, the most important thing for a young investor is being prepared to be wrong. Like trading is not a, or investing is not about being right or wrong. It's actually about making money. Mm-hmm. So you could be wrong eight times out of ten, but those two times can make up. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if you get like you know five or six times on your stock, where you cut your losses after ten percent, you can lose you know like you know the ten percent times the eight, but then you can make six hundred, seven hundred percent on those two times, and that's where your money comes from. So my thing is actually have a, a stop loss in there. Like know that I'm going to invest five hundred dollars, and when this is down to three hundred fifty, I'm out of here. No matter what, I've just got this wrong. There's nothing wrong wrong with being wrong whatsoever. Like as I said, I think I probably from when I looked at my numbers, I get it wrong about 60, 70% of the time, but it's the 30, 40% that you make all your money on. Yeah. Um, and if you can make sure that those losses are small and that you stick to your stop loss and you execute that plan and you're unemotional about, I got this wrong. It's nothing wrong with me. It's, this trade didn't work out. Move yeah. on, get out, next opportunity. The, yeah. There are so many stocks trading at different points in time. Like Your stock is not the one that's going to, the one that you're losing on is not the one that you're going to make money on. It's yeah. not going to turn around. So yeah. get out, move on, find your next opportunity. So do you stop loss everything? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I mean about like, don't find an excuse. Oh, this time's different. It's never different. Yeah, right. You know? So don't hold on. No, nah, don't. Like, hope is not a strategy. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just not a strategy. It might turn around, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so you're obviously heavily invested in the US markets. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Aussie as well. Are there any other markets that interest you? Uh, I've got some European stuff that's in the private market. I think China's really interesting. I mean, you've got a massive population there. Um, but you can access it all through the US market. For me, it doesn't I trade more the instrument than the company mm. itself like I look at like I want to buy something at A and sell it at B that's all I'm trying to do it doesn't matter if the company um, does potassium mining or whatever you know within chemicals or as a retailer if there's someone if there's demand for the stock and it's likely to continue going up I want to own that stock and if I think I can sell it at a high price I want to sell it I can sell it. I'm not definitely not tied to a market that's just my strategy some people like bigger thematic things I think you know India's going to take off India's formed amazingly by yeah. the way some people say I have to get into China's middle class. I want exposure to that. Everyone's got a different strategy. My strategy just is I want to buy it A and sell it B. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is. And I think for me, the US offers the best opportunity to do that because the execution is low. The cost of brokerage is very low. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm learning slowly. So the cost of execution is low. You've got great opportunity and you've got so many different asset classes there. So I could, if, if oil's moving, I could buy an ETF in oil. If oil's going down, I could buy an inverse ETF on oil. So just having my exposure to the US gives me enough, more than enough to deal with the get generate returns so uh, that's where my focus is and I don't think you need much more than that people say I want access to every single market but when you actually look at the numbers like when Australians go invest overseas 85 to 90 percent of it's in the US yeah all the other to tell you the truth the other markets it's it's BS. You don't need access to all of it. Yeah, right. You just need access to something that works. It works for you. If 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 trading in London works for someone, that's what they should stick at. Yeah. For me, the US perfect. Yeah, nice. So let's have a quick look at the markets as a whole. So sure. I think was it late early Feb we had a correction. Yeah. And then since then, really the market's been quite volatile yeah. relative to what it's been over the last say what well, since the GFC really. Sure. So as a trader, I guess that is more exciting for you than it has been over the past 
what, eight years or so. Yeah. Um, and so where do you see the next four or five years going? Uh, well, I think the US is the leading indicator for the global market. So that's the first thing to realize. Um, volatility doesn't last forever, but it does or it can signify a change. So we've seen a, a pretty much a general um, bull market really since you know, 2009. Mm. We came out of the um, 2007 to um, GFC. Uh, and and to me, I, I'm nervous, to be honest. I'm, yeah. I'm generally nervous. <laughs> but, so, you know, I worry about people, you know, especially our customers. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. You know, like the, the tendency is for people to buy stocks. Um, some people may say it's a great opportunity. Great. They, you know, like, well, if their strategy is I want to hold for 30 years, they're probably in fine, right? If you're planning on holding five or you've got the stomach to go through ups and downs, then it's a different proposition. I don't have that stomach. So I can try, uh, um, you know, I think it's, it's all about understanding yourself. So for me, I'm a little bit nervous. This volatility just seems a little bit unusual. We saw some really crazy stuff in February um, with some of the, the volatility markers. Um, the VIX was up around 50, which is like unheard of for a couple of day yeah. move. Um, so yeah, I I think, the, you know, for me, there is a lot that people just need to keep an eye on. We've gone up at night. Markets don't always go up. No. They go up, they go down, they go sideways, right? Just be aware that like if they start to go down, it doesn't mean they're just going to turn around and go up again. It could go down for one year, three months. It could go down for five years. Who knows? Yeah. Like Japan went down for 20 years. So as an investor, it's more like make sure. I think I, I think stock picking is gonna is coming back. That's my big thing. Everyone's been in these passive ETFs and you know basically just putting money into passive funds. And as the markets rallied, everyone's looked like a hero. But um, when when the markets start going sideways or down and ETFs don't make money anymore, you actually have to have a strategy mm-hmm. and you may need to start getting into stock picking. And I think if you teach yourself how to pick stocks or you teach yourself how to invest or you can build a strategy and build the, the internal wherewithal to start managing your own money, you're going to be a lot. So where is the best place to start teaching yourself to invest? That's mm-hmm. a massive question. Yeah. But what, what I mean, where would you start if you were a beginner? I think what you guys are doing is amazing. As I said to you when I was chatting, I think there's a, a really big gap uh, in terms of just getting people into the market. The, the best place is just to get your, your hands dirty and get, get a foot in the door. And what you guys are doing is amazing. I'll tell you that. Thank you. I, I think, you know, just buying buying a share, seeing how it works. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I, I obviously can't really make any recommendations, but buy something you understand, think the business model, think it's going to last for a while. It's just always a great place to start. Start small, obviously, and then follow the stock. You know, read the news. Go. There's, if, there's so much great free information out there. Um, you can read Bloomberg. You can um, hear in Motley Fool, great service. You know, a lot of our users also yeah. use Motley Fool. They're excellent. Um, I, I really think just even reading the newspaper, whether or not you agree with the journalists, just to like have some skin in the game yeah. uh, is the best way to learn. And you'll actually learn and start looking at how you respond to news. What do you think? Is there an opportunity? Did I get that right? Um, there's some great books out there that we can talk about as yes. well that I, that I absolutely encourage people to read. Like I would spend hours in the library yeah. getting trading books. I mean, yeah. I think every public library in Australia would have at least 10 or 15 trading books. Yeah. No doubt. Um, I know the ones around where I live, there's always, you know, trading books and there are some amazing, there's some amazing people out there, even on Twitter that, mm-hmm. you know, talk mm-hmm. about stocks, uh, Peter Brandt, Mark Mindaverni, guys that I follow that just they talk about the market and they, they just want people to improve and that's all. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's so much information. It's a common thing when we interview people like you that they always come back to just read, 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 yeah. read, read. I just wanted to briefly touch on the volatility again, sure. if you don't mind, what uh, sort of percentage are you in the market as compared to out of the market? 
I am got a few inverse trades on. Okay. So don't think you could really. I'm pretty much cash neutral if you think of it. Oh, actually, I'm still cash long in terms of my net investments. So I'm like my long minus my shorts. Yeah, which shorts are the inverse. Yeah. Um, I'm still long, but I've got quite a bit of cash on the side at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I'd say I'm 50% invested probably. Okay. So you've mentioned there that you're that's the way that you are protecting yourself in this short and long. What's something that a, a, a beginner investor can do yeah. um, to make sure that if something does eventually, that they're not going to be heavily one way or heavily yeah. the other? What's yeah. a simple strategy, do you think? A simple strategy is buy stocks that are going up. Like everyone goes, I want to buy a stock that's going down because it's cheap. Like if you think about any thing that happens if a stock is going down it's probably going down for reason. just because markets as a whole go down doesn't mean that all stocks go down it generally is a you know the big stocks if an index if the S&P or the you know the NASDAQ goes down doesn't mean that every stock on the NASDAQ goes down it means that the weighting of those stocks the, the big stocks are going down mm. there are still stocks that are going to go up like pick a stock that looks healthy like you just look at the chart and you go that looks pretty healthy like that's the trend is your friend yeah. right? like things that are good are going to continue to be good yeah. companies that are underperforming probably going to underperform until they don't. Mm. So the beginning could literally go, I understand that company. I know how it makes money. I look at its chart and that share price is increasing. It's probably a good bet. Mm. Uh, if the share price is decreasing, like you just look at the chart and it goes from left, top left to bottom right, it's probably not worth earning. If it's going from bottom left to top right, get on board. Yeah, you're more likely to make money. Yeah, right. Yeah. So speaking of undervalued, overvalued, <laughs> we'll play a bit of a game. Sure. So I've got a couple of stocks sure. here and asset classes that I'll run through. And if you sure. can just give me a general vibe on it. Yeah. Um, you don't have to give me a reason why. Sure. But if you could, that would be great. Absolutely. So sure. We'll start off with uh, buy or sell gold. Uh, buy. Okay. So buy or sell Facebook. Sell. Absolutely. Buy or sell <laughs> Tesla. Sell. Interesting. What about? I can give you my reasoning. I mean, I don't. I haven't looked at Tesla very closely. As I said, I think we're moving into like a cycle. I'm a little bit more nervous. So for me, if I was gonna, if I was long in Tesla, I'd probably do cash. Okay. Two stocks that you. That uh, have just IPO'd recently yeah. and staked a bit of yeah. a competition with yeah. was uh, Spotify and Dropbox. Yeah. Uh, so buy or sell Spotify? Uh, I'll watch both actually. Uh, they haven't traded for long enough for me to get a sense of what's happening and what the demand is. I don't know enough about the companies. I know a little bit, but not enough to dip my toes in. Well, I know Dropbox doesn't even make profits. Yeah. I don't think Spotify does either. And yeah, but yeah, I'll watch both of those pretty okay. closely. But I'll watch okay. Afterpay. <laughs> buy or sell. I told you this last time, didn't I? <laughs> Sell. Sell. Yeah. Why? It's cheap. <laughs> the trend's down. The trend is down. It's broken. A big trend. I was telling you sell at 750, wasn't I? Yeah. Now you're asking me at 530. <laughs> uh, that's not fair. I still think it's a sell. As I said, you stick with it. It's making you money. Stick with it. Okay. Berkshire. Hmm. It depends what your strategy is. If you're there to hold for 30 years, definitely a buy. Great. Great story and will continue to be great. Short term, watch. Watch. Okay. On a broader scale, the S&P 500. Sell. Okay. So you're quite bearish. I'm nervous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Chart tells me, can I hedge my bets by being a watch sell? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to place a trade of yourself, trend is down. Are you in Bitcoin? I'm not. No. I've got a lot of mates that are. Uh, very interesting discussion. No, I've never actually been in it. Just never had the time. Uh, as I said, like trading in the US markets, I'm sure it would be fascinating to trade Bitcoin, uh, but never got around to it. But um, I think it's been great on the side note. 
for people to get into the market and be able to understand how markets move, prices move around. I mean, that was an it was an emotional roller coaster. Totally, yeah. It's, <laughs> if it's you want to understand totally your emotions, yeah, exactly. Getting Bitcoin, yeah. So then, cryptocurrency in a broader scale, buy or sell? Yeah, I don't think you can look at it holistically. I think the way I understand crypto is that these are coins that relate to an underlying business asset class, or so I have to watch as a whole thing. I think thematically, it's very. It's, I think it's absolutely fascinating. I think it's brilliant for the world. Mm. Um, but I don't know enough to comment on direction. Mm. If uh, Uber was to go public, would buy us a price. Optiva would know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be a big beast. Yeah, it's always price dependent. You know, like would I buy it for ten dollars? Absolutely. Would I buy it for four hundred billion dollars? Probably not. So okay. uh, we'll see what it lists out. Fair. Yeah. So let's wrap up with our final three. Sure. We always ask this to every yeah. investor that we interview, um, and we kick off with what book or books do you uh, great think are the best ones to Absolutely. read? Absolutely. My three favorite trading books um, is the old classic Reminiscence of a Stock Operator, so okay. Jesse Livermore. Um, we got it for all of our staff. Christmas oh, nice. to read. Uh, yeah, got it. It's amazing. Okay. We'll get him a copy. Um, <laughs> we've got a few around the office. The other one is the Schwager books, um, yeah. Stock Market Wizards. Yeah. It's just really good inspiration and just sort of seeing that it doesn't matter, you know, where you come from in life, um, what you do. The markets offer opportunity for anyone. And that to me is pretty much, you know, like I think we share that same approach. So I definitely recommend the Schwager book. And then one of the Schwager interviews really changed my approach to trading. And that was a guy, Mark Mendeverney, who wrote How to trade like a stock market wizard funny name but his approach in the book is just so logical and it's it's pretty much what we spoke about and it sort of determines my medium-term thinking on a trade when the, i'd rather buy a stock that is up already because i'd rather buy highs because they're probably only a high i'd rather buy lows because probably gonna go lower um and he sets it out brilliantly and it's a great read and uh and i had one more as well yeah. it's a stan weinstein book how to make money in bull and bear markets that's the name of the book uh and a couple of the i've got two copies actually so the interns and our office for reading it and it's also a great book so I'll give you four just one free that's good yeah. <laughs> that's good I've uh, only heard of one so okay cool I'll yeah, send them through add them to my collection no definitely if you can um, yeah, if you can get your, your uh, audience to read that then they'll be in a much better yeah, right. so you kind of touched on it before but what's your go-to source for investing information on a day-to-day basis uh, the market itself I am a price and volume person I, I, the news has happened after the share price yeah. uh, you've got to be in it you've got to be watching the market uh, you know I look at charts because they don't lie to me mm-hmm. um, they don't tell me stories about what's happening not what's happening they actually tell me what's happening so if a price has gone from one dollar to one dollar and five cents that's exactly what's happened all I need to know but obviously like you know it's interesting to read what's happening in companies and we obviously talk about you know markets at work but yeah um, if I was going to as a more novice person I'd probably look at Bloomberg or Market Watch. they're great trading view is very good as well more for that sort of analytical sort of investor and then believe it or not stock twits if you can find the right oh, person yeah. if you can yeah, find yeah, the yeah. right person to follow like there's yeah. some great people yeah. on that they can just um, talk about stocks and they'll reference something you go have a look and you just learn a little more yeah. so there's so much out there yeah, you can get right. lost as yeah. well so yeah. pick yeah. your one source that you really like and instead of- alright so final question what advice investing or otherwise uh, would you give to yourself when you were back starting investing don't listen to tips okay yeah at the end of the day it's you who's putting on the trade and yeah. it's got to you, you, no one's gonna that's, everyone tells you what to buy and never tell you where to sell and you make money selling you don't actually make money buying 
guy. Yeah. Uh, you can make you can go. I bought that share at one dollar, went to one dollar fifty. But if it starts going down to ninety four, you know, down through your one dollar buy, what do you? Who's, no one's going to tell you to sell it. Mm-hmm. The only person that decides that is you. So know why you buy stock. Know why you sell it. Focus on the sell, and you'll be fine. So for me, a tip doesn't help you because the tip's only there on the buy side, and the money's made on sell side. Yeah, it's like Bitcoin, man. I'll get out. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just paper profits. Exactly. But you can turn paper into money if you've got a clear strategy in your folks. So yeah. So my thing would be focus on the selling price, not buying. You don't make money selling. Buying. That's a wrap, Matt. Oh, I like it. <laughs> ah, very good. Thanks. Uh, good to for, see you, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for joining us on the show. I've had a great time. Yeah, and absolutely. Appreciate I'm really it. excited to see how Stake evolves. Yeah. I've opened an account. Oh, good. And as I said, I uh, would definitely encourage our listeners to check you guys out. I appreciate it's it. a great opportunity to get access to the US stock market and zero brokerage. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, appreciate it. No, cheers. Thanks for coming. No, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.